He slept in his parents' bedroom until he was 13. He wet the bed until he was 14. He doesn't know how to ride a bike. Apparently, he has friends. Welcome to Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. Wexel. Welcome to Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. I'm Evan Wexel. It's a podcast where I interview a different Facebook friend every episode. I guess I was on a hiatus or something because it's been like three months since my last Facebook friend interview. So uh, I'm making up for it. I have a special double Facebook friend episode. The reason for that is I have a self-imposed rule that uh, if I'm going to invite someone back, I need a Facebook friend of someone new. So I'm going to have a double episode here. Uh, Second will be Angela McArdle. I had her back on uh, the podcast a few years ago. That was kind of me checking out like what she had to say about being a libertarian. She was helping lead up uh, L.A. County. Um, but she went on to now she's like the head, the national chair. She is she is the big dog uh, of the party, and uh, it's very exciting to to see someone you know rise uh, up the ranks like that. But she's for later. Uh, and again, for this episode, any episode you want, awkwardwithevan.com, It's all there, one big scroll down. You'll find the person. Um, also, go to awkward with Evan on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and to support this podcast via Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash funny Evan. And of course I'll play that ad about halfway through, but my first guest, my new Facebook friend interview is with Elizabeth Donaldson. This is someone I genuinely know. And, uh, she's actually an actress, creative person in Nashville. She's the reason I got into SAG-AFTRA. She got my wife and myself at the same time into the union. And I'm going to get into that story. It's a, it's a pretty miraculous story uh, considering the circumstances. My wife had just left this horrible side gig and she's like, I got to make it to, to this thing that Elizabeth's doing. And, uh, and I don't mention that part, but, uh, it's amazing. And, uh, we talk about that. We talk about, uh, being in the union, Possibly also working things outside the union, which is a, a word we, you may hear thrown around called FICOR. But she talks about acting in Los Angeles, now acting in Nashville, how people are moving to Nashville, um, but also a lot of creative things and uh, also a lot of silly things. You know, I, I wanted to see if she knew other Elizabeth Donaldsons. She does. But also then we, by the end of it, the video for this is really good because actually I share her screen a few, my screen a few times. So I share her website, ElizabethDonaldsonCreative.com. And I also uh, share uh, obituaries of other people named Elizabeth Donaldson. That was a, it was a dark ending to our art. We just kind of going through uh, Elizabeth Donaldson's in the area. Cause when you type that in, uh, obituary auto generates uh, on the search engines sometimes. I guess for any name you type in, unless they're like a celeb, celeb. But uh, Elizabeth Donaldson, great social following, great content. We're gonna hear about the things she's put together, her challenges during COVID, uh, you know, personal challenges and and all kinds of things. So she's very open and she she has a great uh great communication uh vibe. She just kind of like just throws it out there and you you get to catch it. So uh, this is my first. Uh, Facebook friend of the episode. This is Elizabeth Donaldson. Yes. And then I say yes. And then they say being recorded. This is really socially awkward. 
And I'm we're starting at take two with Elizabeth Donaldson. She's a creative genius and actress, and we'll just make up things. She's also a model and a crime boss in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm totally a crime boss. <laughs> that's like that's the major thing that I am. Yes. Now, okay. So we we tried recording this somewhere else. And basically the question I asked you was, how is the move from as an artist from Nashville to, to LA? You said it was tough. I'm LA to Nashville. Sorry. That's that's the direction yeah. people are going these days. Because now, do you feel in the last couple of years you're getting more of a more of a, a com- companions coming into to the area? They're like, Completely. we're gonna move to Nashville. I mean- Everybody's moving to the south, especially with everything that that happened with, uh, you know, the big the big C word, the yeah. big, as I call it. Right. Um, and Los Angeles is really locked down. Atlanta has a huge film market, so Atlanta is. I mean, there's like Tyler Perry has a whole. Do you know about Tyler Perry's studios? Like, I know he had his own projects. I didn't know how big it was because you're introducing it like it's a very big deal. Oh, uh, it is. I think <laughs> he, uh, he literally turned like an old army base into his studios, and so there's oh. housing. So when you go to like shoot like at his studios, there's lodging yeah. for everyone. So during the time of like the VID, that was like a really big deal because you could literally <laughs> like you could go and quarantine and do all that stuff. So they're just like he's totally like locked and loaded. Um, there's really incredible tax breaks, not in Nashville, yeah. but um, like in the South. Yeah. Um, and there's just like all this really, really, really great stuff. Um, so it's a great market. And I just, I mean, I don't know. I have friends who've moved to LA. Yeah. From Nashville. Yeah. Like in the middle of all this time, which always boggles my mind. Cause like every time I do it, I'm like, why would you want to live in LA? Like, why would you ever go there? But I mean, obviously I haven't been there in a long time. Obviously there's things still happening, but I just find that Nashville for me is like a whole and total creative. It's like, Mm -hmm. Like when I lived in Los Angeles and I was, you know, and I was doing the acting thing there 24 seven, yeah. I just worried about acting and what casting directors thought of me and acting class. And like, like, you know, you run into somebody at Trader Joe's and they're like, how are you? And then you're like, oh, I just sent out a mailing and like, lo- like classic actor personality like hiking it was just obnoxious and now when i meet people like that i'm like please get the fuck away from me (laughs) like i just like when you you just kind of like i don't know i feel like when you live in la and you get involved in the kind of like actor thing Mm -hmm. you have this one track mind Mm -hmm. you're like i'm going to a casting director workshop and it's like yeah cares dude like get a life like get a fucking dog like go out of go out of the country uh, get a hobby like just please stop telling us about these postcards that you sent out because i but, ma- but maybe that is their hobby maybe their hobby is crafts and director yeah. workshops <laughs> yeah 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 i guess <laughs> i guess that maybe that could be the some thing. people go to the ballet other people just go to the <laughs> workshops they try to work on their monologues yeah yeah, yeah. that's true and there's nothing wrong with being super. I mean, God, that's, I told you it's funny. Oh, I didn't preface this because yeah. when on our failed recording, I said I'm gonna sound like such a bitch, and then I didn't preface it here. So I actually am. Really, <laughs> I'm just. You're actually lovely. Yes. It is funny. It is funny though because I think about the fact that like I I there's I'm also like kind of a snob in certain ways, and like there's a bitchy part of me that like over the past two years got stronger. Um. And so it's funny because sometimes I'm like, oh, no, wait, like I'm a really like when I'm out in the world, mm-hmm. I'm like, I like your outfit. I love your hair. 
those are great shoes. Hey, like I'm like spreading fucking joy, like fairy dust. Right. But then I'm like, fuck you. If you send postcards, get out. Like on the internet, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so mean, you know, that's good. Don't hold back. That, that, that sells. I think if you want your own show, I think they like that. That's a I good. Think so. I've had success. Like, what do they say? Like be polarizing. I mean, I try yeah, to be polarizing. You... I like to be polarizing about things that utterly don't matter. But you're more, you're more a pit polarizing, like left or right. You're polarizing like out. You're just like, I'm out. I'm yeah, going yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or polarizing like I fucking hate cargo shorts. You know what I mean? Oh. Like I like to, that's my favorite way to get my rage out is to just find something. To rage that, about, you, you don't have like a rage journal. Uh-huh. You would just well, no. I did. I did start journaling, and it was a little ragey one day. One day, I wrote <laughs> an entire page of like, "I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. Yeah. I'm annoyed. I'm like just a whole page of repetition of I'm annoyed." Right. And then I, it was very cathartic, actually. <laughs> now I actually have a big. I actually have to thank you because because of you, I got into SAG, and my wife got into SAG. Oh, the pizza. Pizza yes. Hut, the natural. Right before I moved to Nashville, that was like almost why I was able to move out here because I came out to Nashville to do nonprofit. And work. you booked this, mm-hmm. and you were told you basically had the you had car blanche to be like, "What friends of mine do I want to get into SAG?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was cool. That was like a cool. I don't think I think that I no, I didn't know that everybody was going to get into SAG. And so it was crazy because not only did I have to keep the pizza a secret, yes, but I had to keep that was stuff a secret. And I was like, this is so and then like when people said no, because some people were like, I don't know if I can make it. And I was like, How do I convince these people? Yeah. I can't be to be not don't be LA about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's actually be there. Do this job. Like show up a half hour late. You want to be here. Yes. And then some people got like you know, thousands of dollars. My wife got residuals. I, I didn't make the cup, but she did. So we both got in that way. Um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I, I like being in the union, but I mean, I don't necessarily do a lot to utilize it. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually a little on the fence because like, you know, with, with SAG stuff, especially with the VID, like we had, you know, there's mandates still in place that like, if you're going to keep telling me I need to be this and this, like I'm not going to be able to audition for your thing. So little, it's like, so it it's like, south comes because what's the advice then is the advice to just leave the union is the advice to go. Would you say to people thinking FICOR is the way FICOR. I've been FICOR for a million years. I was FICOR okay. when, when we did that commercial, I was FICOR. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And just for anybody, I, I just want to explain. Yeah, let's explain what that is. So, because that's my wife is actually that she doesn't pro- publicize that she'll, but it's okay. Only only three people. Shame. Well, in the South, you like need to be. I mean, almost all the work that I do out here is non-union, right? Like, because it's just yeah, it's not LA. It's, it's not South. New York. I do a lot of independent stuff. I do my bread and butter is like cr- commercials and local. Right. Also, I do a ton of commercials. Um, <laughs> my dog is in here. He's like that's okay. Bring him on. Um, so. I, uh, so financial core actually, and this is very little known because people think that it only applies to SAG right. is actually created by, um, a, like workers in an automobile union in mm-hmm. like the thirties or the forties or something. Yeah. Because they didn't want 
their dues to support a political candidate that they didn't believe in. Right. So they wanted to essentially be able to get the benefits of being in the union and the protection of the union without having to be locked into like the ideology, et cetera. Of okay. Um, and so, and with SAG financial core for anyone out there who doesn't know would yeah. mean that you can, you still are SAG and you're able to do everything um, but you can also do whatever you want. You can do non, there's no penalties. You can do non-union stuff, but right. I, if there's projects that are still saying that you have to do this or that, yeah. then unfortunately, FICOR is not going to help you there. Right, right. But like my wife, like she can, she books now because she has that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, <laughs> but like, like what is- do I get from still being here? Yeah. Is I get I get my issues of the magazine. I get to vote on contracts. Yeah, I get to I get screeners. I can vote in the SAG awards. Um, and I could oh, like if I cool. I want it was just cool. I've done that, and yeah, it's just like. But my wife's like, oh, there's a they will, they're asking about like a family shoot. Would you like to do this? It's all of us as a family, but it's not this. It's non-union, and so it's like it's a bit of like, do I want to? Do I have this like idyllic union credit in my future? that I'm waiting for when I'm like, say 60 years old, or do I want to just stay or do I just, you know, get the chance to, you know, act with family without any limits. Yeah. yeah. I take it all the way back around to my, to how I opened this is that if you lived in Tennessee, you wouldn't have those thoughts. Right. Those are very distinct. Yeah. God, I'm going to sound like such a bitch. Those are very distinct, like actor in LA concerns. I just want to like say I ever get like a radio show and like you got to be AFTRA. Like I'm, well, technically, I guess I am. Yeah. But you know, so. But if you go by core, it's like you, you are that. Like, yeah. You've ever, what people don't tell you too, because I went through a period of time where like I was when I first moved here and I was really broke and my, um, uh, my membership expired. Right. But I'm still eligible. So, like, they'll still hire me. Sure. And, if you like, I, there's a podcast that I love and it's called, um, what is it called? Uh, that one audition. Okay. And they have all these like interviews with actors who not necessarily like famous people, but like people who you would know, like yeah. working actors. Yeah. And what a lot of them talk about is the fact that like, all of these little technical minutia that everyone out there tells you is so Mm -hmm. important. There is just not, none of it's actually important. Like all that's important is like your work ethic and Mm -hmm. and your like hustle, you know, like, like because a casting director, if they absolutely love you Mm -hmm. or like a show, if like you do the thing, cause there's so many people on that one audition who went on to be huge actors. And some of them like didn't have any agents. Like the chick who was on, who plays the warden in um freaking the orange is the new black okay so role she was unrepresented and not in sag oh when she wow. got that part that's awesome yeah and there's like story after story sure. after story after story of people who like um were in similar positions so yeah. it's kind of like I don't know. I just believe in the power of like the individual and the internet. And I think like sure. sometimes I'm like, if people just spent more time crafting, like instead of worrying about the minutia of like, and if SAG, and this is my viewpoint, this is like, and, and this yeah. is like, yeah. this is 
really happened to me when I moved to Tennessee, because like I said, I was no longer part of that actor culture in Los Angeles that mm-hmm. like, in my opinion, this is going to sound radical. <laughs> I honestly find that culture to be toxic, okay. which toxic is a heavy word. Like yeah. toxic is like, it's the same that, you know how there's like buzzwords. Of, well, like, it can have like, you know, like it's like, it can get clicky and it can get high schooly, you know? Yeah. But yeah. not even that it's more like there's false information that is counter to the survival and happiness and success of actors. Right. Like, right. And, and the culture, pro- like, think about it. Like there's all these people who live in Los Angeles and like a small percentage of them work and right. most of them like don't actually make a living from acting and no shade to that. But then there's all these like people who don't make a living. They're like actually not thriving as, as like professional working actors. Mm-hmm. And then they're giving each other a bunch of advice about the do's and don'ts of acting. Right. But it's like, none like, of you. What are your stats? Yes. Yeah. And like, what are their stats as creative? So if you're like somebody and like you have like job X and mm-hmm. you're, you, you know what I mean? I mean, and yeah. I that way, like when I lived in LA, I just, I worried about acting all the time. And now yeah. what I worry about is my own creativity. And that's I good. just think that that's a radically different view. Um, did, did you start stepping up like what you've been putting out on social media in like the last year or so? It seems like I've been seeing you pop up. Yeah. Unless you've engineered an algorithm that we, I feel like a lot of people are seeing you more like 15,000 on Instagram, right? 15,000. I, I started going really, really, really hard this year. I also started kind of honing in really heavily on comedy. Okay. Comedy and like kind of, I really had a vision because it was kind of like, I mean, the past, the twenties were awful. And so for like, you know, you have 2020 and you have 2021 and I was just sort of like trying to survive mm-hmm. and a half of 2020, I was making masks and all that stuff and oh like for doing anything. So I wanted to be writing films and making content. I've always had this plan that I wanted to execute on, but I just didn't, wasn't able to, didn't have the wherewithal. Like in, tw- and especially in 2020, a lot of people found themselves, like a lot of people in 2020, like blew up, but I was just yeah. so, I was like crying every day. Like I was like, uh, I wasn't ready to make comedy. See, I thought you were talking about like your twenties, like your 20 to 29. Oh no. That's what you're okay. I refer to the 20, to the pandemic. That's why I was like, yes. Cause we're not talking about the 1920s anymore. Yeah. Because I hate calling it. I don't want to call it like the VID. Yeah. And I just, I'm so sick of the word pandemic. And I think I've also learned to like. I have a lot of interesting slang that I use because when you're like somebody who's constantly putting content and communication on the internet, Mm -hmm. you have to kind of like make sure you don't say certain words because robots will be Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're talking about this or we're going to write content or we're going to add this link to this content. And I just, it's not even a political thing. I just am like, I just want like the natural people to see you organically. Yeah, I'm just like get your link off my page. Like yes. I'm just like I'm just talking about like the the 19 1920s, but uh or the 2020s. But um but definitely this year I came back. You know, I took I took sort of a sabbatical for 2 months. Mm-hmm. Kind of like cuz 2021 was a really hard year for me. I had a flood and my roommate died of the oh, VIP wow. and like it was pretty rugged. So I took a sabbatical and then you know, got my head right. And then I came back and was like, let's do this. And so now I have a really intense, I mean, I have like a checklist of like the content that I do. And sometimes, I mean, life, when you're making content, life gets crazy. So Mm -hmm. obviously like you may have the things that you want to do. You have your list of ideas, but one week it's like, okay, we didn't get to shoot any skits this week. Mm -hmm. Now on TikTok, I've been going really hard. I've had some stuff blow up. That's very like, um, 
just me talking shit like in the street, you know, like well, because TikTok is like to much- people, like you're in the street talking. No, to- just, uh, I just- call it talking shit, like me on a walk, like having thoughts, like like a PSA, my- like a Donaldson PSA. Yeah, or just like I don't know about you, like I have some of my most, I like literally just have comedy running through my mind right. at all yeah. times. So then, like, I'll be on a walk, and it's interesting because TikTok, especially TikTok or Instagram Stories, is almost like. It's like your, it's like your friend. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in like a tragic way. I mean that in like a really cool way of like TikTok becomes like, you know how it is. Okay. It you lets you know who's watching. Yeah. But also think about this. You, you have a wife and, yes. and you guys, and I know you guys and you guys are awesome. And probably on a regular basis, you think, cause you guys are both comedians. You think of like funny shit. Mm-hmm. With your wife or your friends that you would love to tell them. Right. But like, and so if your mind is firing like, a, like 24 seven, like funny thing, funny thing, funny thing, funny thing. It's like, for me, I'm like, I would overwhelm. I would just annoy all my friends and family if I was constantly like just, and I do send my friends a lot of funny voice memos, yeah. but if I was just constantly like, Hey, blah, 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 blah. Hey, blah, blah, blah. So I just, you know, like, and you know, probably sometimes your wife is like, Evan, I love you. You're hilarious. But like, I'm fucking tired. Go to I, this. yeah, I say the same. Well, she's that to me half the time anyway, but still, <laughs> but still like, yeah, it's like, I would just repeat the same stuff over and over again to her. So that sound that annoys her. There's never like new, it's just golden oldies. Just golden. But the yeah. fun thing about for me with TikTok is TikTok it basically has turned into like my friend who like when I have a hilarious thought in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. you know, that I want someone to know, I'm like TikTok. I TikTok can know, you know, so nice. I can and I also use it in a way, you know, I'm getting more into stand-up comedy and getting more into writing. So it's kind of a really cool medium. Like I use social media in a way as like a playground, like a testing, like um, to test things out. Right. So it's kind of like, you know how when stand-up comedian, you know, you do stand up, like when, when you're stand up and you go to an open mic and you test your jokes out mm-hmm. and you test out your material and then you see how the audience responds and then you modify accordingly. For me, social media is a very similar thing. So like, like I test out material or I test out characters and some of them, sometimes it's like almost a rehearsal process that I'm filming. Like I'm going to, I'm writing a sketch show that I'm going to film in the next few months. And like the characters are all going to be what I've already done before and skits that I've done on social media that have been successful, but they're just going to be more refined, but I'll Mm -hmm. probably take some of the jokes that like really hit hard on social media and like the thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. and use that and put that. Oh, sure in the writing of my sketch. So social media is like really cool. Cause it's like, you can pull from it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can survey the audience. You can mm-hmm. like throw out jokes and see like, Oh, people like that joke. Oh, people don't like that joke. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Oh, people love that character. Oh, mm-hmm. they don't like this character. Yeah. Um, so I just, so I just go hard, but yeah, I did start. I mean, what I, in April, I turned 41 this year and I had kind of like a midlife crisis moment. <laughs> I did. I had like, I just, like, I thought you had not gotten there yet. I mean, you seem, you know, you're, seem tw- <laughs> you're, you're still coming off like, you know, I'm, you know, younger, but still I'm not going to, well, yeah, thanks. it's great. Yeah, yeah. I just had, I just had, I mean, it's hard, like being a professional artist and entertainer. It's yeah. like, it's, it's simultaneously like, incredibly amazing. But like when you go through the hard parts, like it's, it's yeah. hard, it's really hard. And, um, 
And also like things weren't, it's like things were going well, Mm -hmm. but and also like, it sucks that it's this way. But when you're a woman, you just fucking like, I'm single. I'm not married. I don't have kids. Like you feel like there's this clock, like the older you get, (laughs) the louder there's this clock. That's like, I was like stranger things. Hmm? It's like stranger things. You got that. That's the clock. That is coming. Yes. And it's like, and even if you don't want to have kids, the clock is telling you that you're going to age out of your, like everything. And I'm a pretty, I can't even imagine what it's like for other women. Cause I consider myself pretty immune, pretty like, yeah. like pretty immune to the bullshit and yeah, pretty like, yeah, okay, well yeah. fuck that noise. So like for women who believe that noise, I'm like, yeah. what's like yeah. for you, you know? Yeah. Um, Anyway, so it was like I had a stressful month and nothing was going well. And it was like literally like a day after my birthday. And I was like hugging my dog on my kitchen floor, just (laughs) sobbing, just like. And I also think I I was like, had was up for the lead. I I was on a veil, which means near availability. If you don't know, I was on a veil for the lead in the feature film. Wow. It's going to be a pretty big deal. And then the way that I found out that I didn't get it is I got an audition for a smaller role. And then um, I was also on a veil for another lead in another feature film that was going to be this musical. And like, and I just nailed it. Like the, like, like the one that was a musical, like it was just like, I should have gotten that role. And it was going to be me and my friend who were both going to be playing two characters. And it was going to be very like crazy makeup and wigs and like Mm -hmm. really over the top. And it was like, we just should have gotten it. And that's that. And so I was yeah. just like so sad because it was like, and that's how this industry is. Sometimes you go from these high highs of like, I'm on a veil for a movie. <laughs> these low lows of like, I didn't book it and I'm 41 and it's been, a, and I'm a freelancer and it's been a slow month for business and I fucking have bills due and like, who am I? And then you just are, you're hugging your dog yeah. crying in the middle of your kitchen floor. So then I was just like, and I was like, it, sometimes I flirt with quitting. And I only say that because. Because everyone does. Yeah. Because it's honest. But then, but then it's like every, like I literally like, and I'm every time I think about quitting, here's what's crazy is I'm like, it's not even anything cool that stops me. Right. It's that I'm like, bitch, you're in too deep. Like, this is all you have. Like, (laughs) I literally don't, I don't have, I didn't go to college. I don't have a degree. Like, I mean, I guess there's skills that I have, but like, I hate everything else so much. Like, (laughs) like every other job that I could do, every time I think about it, I'm like, you know, that would never work. Like, you you know, you jump out the window. (laughs) Right. You could even go so far. I could even go so far as to like, go back to school, be a nurse, and then like, kill a patient and like, get kicked out of nursing for the rest of my life and be. What is it that Jim Carrey says? It's like, you could always fail at what you don't like. So you might as well do what you like. Right. So, so I'm always come back around to like, this is it, bitch. Like, like it or not, like, this is your business. So then I decided, I was like, it's my birthday month. I'm going to fucking go harder than I ever have before. And, and I did. And I went on my, on my graph for TikTok. I went from posting like five or six times a week. Yeah. Like posting like 20 times a week. Wow. I basically like five X my, my stuff. And I was posting Mm. on TikTok all the time and like my stats. And then I had a video go viral and then I had more videos go viral. And then, and then here we are and I'm going to be a star. Well, I want, I want to share this because this is pretty amazing. You also have this whole thing. Boom. 
Boom. Yeah. Donaldson creative. So you do everything yeah. from both sides of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. So like, so you're like, you do you not know I'm, I met you initially, initially through your sister. Your sister did photography for me. My first oh, headshots yeah. in LA. Hello, Heather. Hello, uh, Heather. Hello, Heather. But yeah, you do, you do everything. Yeah. So that's, that's like amazing too. Thank you. How would you fix my wardrobe? Uh, Well, that would be, we, it would depend. I mean, I style, (laughs) first of all, as a stylist, I don't really do personal styling because I hate it. Okay. That's okay. Then you're fired. Okay. That's okay. What I, but the silent, like here, click on the Dolly Parton link. Click on this. Oh yeah. Let's look at that. So these are all the music I style. I didn't style Dolly. I saw the Black Keys music video. Okay. Country people. So I oh. do music video. I mean, just Vecna really... with the clock right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I used to do wow. styling for music videos, and oh, I would cool. do a lot of like storyline styling. Love so in, especially in country music, a lot of times they have like the artist and they're singing a song, yeah. and then oh hey, oh no, my phone number's not on there. No, Here, no, go no. Back, go, go back, and I'll show you. We can look at my photos. Uh, yeah. yeah, you go to home, We're... click on. It's kind of set up with the yeah. Click on the photographer one. Yeah, let's get these. Are, here's my photographer. Oh, gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, it's so funny. Some of these are, um, some of them are, are new or newer. And then, some, like, I'll go through every so often. And, but I just sort of arrange them by like which ones I like. But some yeah. of them, I'm like, oh, fuck, I haven't seen that photo in a super long time. Oh. Um, but you like, it's just like, there's so, you're going all in. I mean, it looks like this it is everything. Like yeah. Yeah. It's all of it. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've cut back a lot on styling. I just kind of do it when I want to. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I think it all is sort of setting me up to like write my own stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, that's what I'm pretty passionate about. And, and again, I think that's what kind of, that's what I love about living in Nashville and, and the approach that I think every, Every actor, I mean, if we're, if we're speaking to an audience of actors, but I guess this would apply to everyone. It's my podcast, anyone. Yeah, it's just great. To, it's really good to get yourself experience to put your hands in a lot of places. Because yeah. even if you decide like, oh, I'm not going to do this forever, it's just going to add so much more to everything else that you're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and for me, it's like, because I... Because I'm a photographer, people are always like, how do you pose so well? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I know what it's like on the other side of the camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I just know what to do. Or because I, I've shot music videos and I do photography when I'm on set, I'm super aware of all the lighting mm-hmm. and I know why, like when a director directs me, sometimes a director will give you a direction. That's like, that's for the shot. Right. It's, it has nothing to do with acting. They want you to turn your face or do the thing and catch the light for the shot. So it's like, when you know about that, or like I had an independent film that I shot and I knew where the light was. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I was able to, and it was like this really emotional scene, but I was able to like, cause I could feel the camera and I could like conceive of what it's like to be behind that camera. So I, at the exact right moment was able to lift my eyes up. Cause I knew that the light would catch in my eyes and that it would just look a million times cooler than if I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and so that it's, I guess like as an actor, it gives me this kind of well-rounded thing where I'm like, cause I think that with storytelling, I mean, I don't know, actors sometimes like we actors sometimes get super into like their feelings and like 
you know, but do you know what I mean? They're like, Ooh, I felt the scene or like authenticity. And that's cool. Yes. But the thing that's super interesting is like when you watch a film in my observation and opinion, the things that are creating emotion in that film are like the cinematography, like, Mm -hmm. like doing a zoom, a slow zoom in onto Mm -hmm. someone Mm -hmm. like they could literally just be sitting there doing nothing, staring off into space and a slow zoom combined with the right music will make you as an audience member feel so many things, you know? Um, that's right. uh Bruce Springsteen's uh brilliant disguise video. That's the whole video. It's just, just him playing, him note. playing, and I think they just gradually zoom in on him the whole time. That's amazing. <laughs> like it's a thing, but it's like so there's all these tools with storytelling, and like, and I've also seen it when I do self-tapes or different auditions, or even working with actors. There's times where like I do a take where I really felt it and I cried. Like actors worry so much about crying, you know? <laughs> and I really felt things. And then I watch it back and I'm like, mm, that was shitty. And then I do one where I like didn't really feel as much, you know? Yeah. Like I I more I felt it in a different way mm-hmm. of like understanding the material. Mm-hmm. And it looks fucking great, you know? It's great. So yeah. Good. I'm impressed. Thank you. So, so I look, <laughs> I look forward. Where can they, where can we follow your TikTok? Um, it's just my name. It's just oh, Elizabeth Donaldson. Donaldson. Oh, yeah, I, I was smart a long time ago. I just made everything my name. Oh, that's good. Because I just didn't want to have to like, Deal. you know how it is. Like I, I didn't want to be something cute. Like when Instagram first, I first came out, it was like I'm bright light fire. I'm like Zubada dot sixty nine dash. Have you ever spoken to other Elizabeth Donaldsons? Yes. It's funny. <laughs> I actually am friends with a whole bunch of other Elizabeth Donaldson's on Facebook and they're all oh, very, cool. Yeah. They're all very nice people. Oh, yeah, did you have like, is it a Facebook group? No, it's just like, I always find them and I, and I friend request them. And then I also have a girl, there's some girl who's like, literally, it's so funny. Everyone named Elizabeth Donaldson, tremendously nice person. I have a girl who, um, she kept getting emails about styling jobs um because people they thought it was you they thought it was me and then so she somehow i don't know how she figured it out but she sent she would forward me all the emails like call sheets and like all this stuff um yeah and one time i made a a flight reservation maybe i typed in the email wrong but it went to another wexel in sweden and i know a lot of <laughs> swedish wexels and they forwarded me the email that's so like fun. i think this is yours like okay thanks thanks Pele. <laughs> all right like thanks. Bro. There's also I also when I when I type Elizabeth Donaldson, I also get like Elizabeth Donaldson obituaries, which is kind of sad. Elizabeth oh. Donaldson died on May 12th of this year. <laughs> and then there's another one that left us on June 23rd. So you're you're winning. I'm winning. You're, you're winning yeah. the Hunger Games of Elizabeth Donaldson. I'm in the front. I'm in the front. I, I did one. My one of my favorite episodes is when I got to interview two people with the same name at the same time. They're both my Facebook friends. So Two Carrie Ann Wallace's at the same time was one of my favorite. That's really fun. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, one Elizabeth Donaldson, she was 97. Um Not- sh- should we share this? Let's should we share let's yeah, pay yeah, tribute let's to Elizabeth it. Donaldson. I'll share it. Elizabeth Donaldson. She's a Betty. what? She's a babe. Yes. She I think she outdid Betty White, though. Yeah, it's good. Good job, Elizabeth. And there's then there's another one. This is so morbid. Here's the one from, uh, oh, day nearby. She left us in the, like two months ago. There was another Donaldson in Tennessee. 
That's crazy. Well, she has she survived by I her husband, Reverend I, I've done um I've done freaking like commercials for a funeral home company. <laughs> and it's like really funny where I like talk really seriously about cremation, except oh. they wanted me to say cremation. I don't know, like not cremation. cremation. Yeah. Cremation. And then there's like a lot of and I and I've searched on the internet for these photos. So if like anyone out there in the world would could ever find these, I'd be forever grateful for people to find these freaking um photos of me in a gray suit um and traditional hair holding urns and like smiling like like as a fan of the undertaker i i appreciate that i agree i hope that someday it's like my biggest hope that like all of the cringy things that i've done like they're on your website it's true, but it's tricky because you can't necessarily when you're still in the in the realm where you need that work, you okay. can't make fun of it yet. You know okay. what I mean? Like, okay, I would still do like, anything. I'd still make fun of it, though. I mean, I've had that weird credits, but yeah. But have you posed with a with a urn? No, I would love to. I though. just can't make fun of the funeral home yet because I'm okay. they still hire me sometimes. Oh, that's good. So they I don't do that. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> have like a your own page of just funeral stuff. Funeral shoots. Getting the whole network. They'll yeah. fight over you. I want her for my funeral home. No. Yeah. Funeral home. Retirement home. They're great. They're like, they, nobody has ever taken better care of me. Like they pay immediately. They pay really well. The sets are always catered. Like, oh God, such delicious food. Yeah. You have a good classic look. I feel like you, you could look like someone from the forties that came back to present day. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, totally. just, yeah. So it's good. Yeah. Whenever I get my hair cut, that's what I tell my stylist. I'm like, I'm like, I want my hair to work for like forties, fifties, sixties, and like eighties, nineties, and a little two thousands. That's pretty much everything but the seventies. Like 2019, not 2020 or 2021, maybe 2022. <laughs> but, yeah. I, but like Bob's like, I don't yeah. think that I look like a seventies babe. Mm. I mean, it's like I could, you know what I mean? Like, no, like it's fine. Like, all, yes. but it's just not. I think that like I knock sixties out of the park, you know? Yes. I think I, this was amazing. I think if, if ever is an opportunity for us to review something together, we should review it because I think you would have good takes on whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I would have it be on, even on takes things of nothing you're familiar with. Like we could review cricket. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I don't know. I love reviews. Yeah. That was me yeah. watching the Elvis movie last night. Like, oh, you have seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I will. Probably it's really plane. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, on a plane, it'll be so small. Yeah, I'll probably. It's probably. I just. It. It screams plane to me. I just have a feeling. Mm, that's fair. Like I don't know where it's going to be streamed. So yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, all right, Elizabeth Donaldson on every network. Um, and this was nice catching up. I look yeah. forward to your videos. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, having me. Keep 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 five xing that shit so yeah yeah, yeah i gotta hire yeah. an assistant next so. oh there you go there you yeah. go right up you get hat. to the point i'm at the top of the brick lane you right know what I that mean? let's let's change some power let's give yeah. it over to the to someone you know that you can yell at and ask for coffee and they bring it to you and then you slap it out of their hand and be like i want a decaf <laughs> i want a decaf be that no i had an assistant once it didn't go well but we'll i've had interns once in a while but yeah they're more just yeah. to be clones of me yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so clones of clothes of the clothes on the back end the behind the scenes yeah. <laughs> all right cool good good glad we met glad that glad well, obviously we met but glad we got together yeah. on this finally 
Same. And uh, I will put this out. We will share with the world. And uh, let's get shooting, I guess. Yeah. Let's book a shoot with Donaldson Creative. EDC hashtag. Do it. it. Book it. All right. All right. I want to tell you about the best way to support this podcast is by going to patreon.com slash funny Evan. That is a website where you can support creators on a monthly basis for as little as a dollar a month. You can support socially awkward um, for like $5 a month. There's various reward tiers. $20 a month. I might change it to where if you are support for $20 a month, you will get a free t-shirt from socially awkward. Uh, There is a new t-shirt line that will be coming out soon under my funny forever tease title. And uh, there's definitely some socially awkward stuff there. Um, but if you can support uh, for, or certain tier values, I will send you free stuff. So go to patreon.com slash funnyevan for all of that. You can even have title sponsorship. And I'll say your name every time I release an episode. All right. Enough break from Bon Jovi. Let's get back to talking Bon Jovi with Lori. Okay, so now we're getting into my next Facebook friend, a returning Angela McArdle. I wanted to get her on because I knew she was doing something big. Like she was head heading up um, trying to get rid of uh, the big old V mandate in Los Angeles, in the city of Los Angeles. And and we actually her her initiative uh, helped get the city to back off and end that. Um, but also she, at the same time she was doing that, she was touring the country um, campaigning to be the head of the whole like libertarian party on a national basis, which is amazing. And that's what she is. And I got into like platform things with her. I did want to hear about like, does she ever get mistaken for like one party or the other party because of something she says on social media? I wanted to speak a little bit about Trump. Uh, I wanted to just kind of, kind of touch them all. They, the libertarian party also recently changed their stance on abortion, which is a, it's actually a surprising Surprising thing they they did, but you know it actually the way they did it it kind of makes sense with with what the whole um, libertarian kind of platform is. And obviously this is the this is my political interview uh, getting back into something political. So uh, hopefully you'll dig it. Um, she she works hard and she she worked her way to the top. So uh, enjoying now getting those emails where she's the one signing them. Uh, this is my talk with National Chair of the Libertarian Party. Angela McArdle. All right, we're not waiting all 30 seconds because it's Angela McArdle, one of my libertarian mentors. I think that's what I'll say. You're now a libertarian mentor of mine. Last time we spoke, I think, what was your role a few years ago? Like it was, you were head of the... I was chair of the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles County. Los Angeles County. And now what are you currently? Chair of the National Libertarian Party. Whoa. So that's what you were doing when you were traveling around? Oh, yeah. And yeah. So what, what's that process like of like leveling up? How did, how did that go? Well, obviously, it, it, it turned out okay. Um, <laughs> It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So 
so inside baseball and the libertarian party stuff, um, Mm -hmm. there's a national party, state party, and then county level parties, right? County level parties are usually very small. LA County is the ninth largest affiliate in the country that includes state parties. So we're very big. Oh, wow. So yeah, bigger than most state parties. So that means that I've, it wasn't as much of a jump from county to national as most people would think of it. Cause there's a lot to do, you know, we're very active, got a lot going on. So I, I got to, you know, the, the whole reason I ran for the national position, by the way, was because the national party didn't speak out on, on lockdown and mandates very aggressively. And that's obviously, it's been a real passion project of mine, something I care a lot about. So I basically toured the country for a year and a half and I went to over 20 states and visited a lot of different state libertarian party conventions and just made my case. And then we had our national convention in Reno, Nevada back in May. I think that was Memorial Day weekend. And I got elected with uh, 69.5% of the vote. Wow. So what, like, what was the feedback you were getting as you were campaigning? Like what were, what was resonating with your audiences? Was it the lockdowns? Was it? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lockdowns and then there's all this stuff that's kind of boring. Like, you know, based, do we have basic strategy? Do we have infrastructure? How do we fundraise? How do we grow? A lot of boardroom stuff. How do we eliminate drama and infighting? So yeah, we- I was going to ask you about that because sometimes, like, I obviously I follow you on on social media. You reference a lot of that. Like, is it just like, are there two like schools of thought in within the Libertarian Party that that you kind of want to bypass, or or what are what are you running? There, in, what have you run into? There are multiple schools of thought within the Libertarian Party. Some of them are more closely aligned with others. But the, the big fight was between people who are more socially, I want to say socially left-leaning. There are a lot of people who are socially left-leaning. But it right. was between people who elevate being socially left-leaning above any other political ideals, agendas, goals. Like that is really the most important thing to them is to emphasize that we are very on the left socially. And so there's them. And then there's, you know, the Mises Caucus which is what I'm a, I'm a part of and, and I advocate for, which is like, you know what? Identity politics and all that stuff, that's not our highest priority. We got to pursue individual liberty. We, you know, economics are important. Culture war stuff, sometimes we do wade into that, but it's more like a, hey, you know, like keep that to yourself. Do, do your own thing, man, but don't go trying to enforce that in a law or, or, or thought crime, you know, making it and social norm that anybody who doesn't agree is in trouble, like that sort of thing. What was the Mises Caucus? I, I keep I keep trying to yeah. get my head. What, what, what is that like a some preliminary event or is that a gathering? No, it's, what? it's a group. So caucuses are groups that form inside political parties right. to advance a certain agenda or a set of set of goals. So the mm-hmm. Mises Caucus, which I was a formerly on the board of directors for the Mises Caucus, I resigned once I was elected. Right. But uh, the, the Mises Caucus is about really four things. One is with Austrian economics. We care very much about economic literacy. And okay. so we're named after the 
Austrian economist Ludwig von Mises, who is you know a big uh, oh okay yeah uh, he's a he's a big deal in the Libertarian Party and okay. uh, that whole that whole thing. He's yeah. he's no longer alive, but right. So there's that, and then we care very much about local uh, local elections. I think that local is really really important from a grassroots perspective. We mm -hmm. care very much about reforming the party internally. And we also care a lot about single issue coalitions. So we want to keep the party principled. We want to keep it on track. You know, we got our ideas about what to do, but for people who are outside of the party, we got to find common ground and work with mm -hmm. them in a strategic way. So, you know, working with Republicans, conservatives on anti-lockdown, anti-mandate stuff, working with people who are more progressive on ending the drug war or um, getting rid of civil asset forfeiture, like police reform. That's yeah. really what the Mises Caucus is about. So, yeah. Now, does that mean reforming police? I mean, obviously, a lot of the ideas that kind of have been part of libertarian bylaws and platform, it's almost like the country's been taking it on and adopting it as something that, you're like, no, this is a Republican thing or this is a Democrat thing. Because, like, it's like you kind of, some of a lot of the platform, it's, like, I feel like the, it's a pretty seamless platform of all the parties and it's pretty like um, downstream and, you know, for like, say, conservatives to invoke abolishing the FBI. I'm like, that's our jam. Yeah. Or like or like um, or even like, you know, now what what's happening with a was abortion taken out of the bylaws or is there still like a view that, you know, it's personal liberty? So abortion was taken out of the platform. What okay. that means is that candidates and members are free to have their own position on it. Yeah. So you'll find people in California, New York, more progressive areas who are very pro-choice. Right. And then you'll find people in Southern states who are pro-life. And it's basically now it's okay. Like you can, you can just pick and you don't have any conflict with the party. Could that spread to like other issues though? Or are there just like some things like you got to kind of, you know, you're still a libertarian. You got to still kind of think in terms of individual liberty and freedom. The, or, I mean, it could spread to a couple of other areas. It's, right. it's really challenging by the way to change yeah. the platform. So right. it's, it's not something that happens easily. You've got to have two thirds of the convention on board with the change. Um, right. So one that could end up changing in the future might be some of the language around the immigration plank. But I right. don't think that there's I don't think there's enough cohesion to actually change it because not everybody agrees, not everybody in the Mises caucus agrees. Some people are very open borders. Some people right. want Ellis Island style immigration, which would obviously <laughs> be like a massive, massive reform to what we have now. It's practically open borders, but Right. But, you know, there's differences. And then some people just think we need to have just more reformed, streamlined immigration policies. It, I don't think we have anybody in the party who's like aggressively like closed borders or anti-immigration. No. It's just different degrees. But, yeah, I mean, obviously people are free to immigrate wherever they want. It's just a question of like how illegal do you want that to be or do right. you want to – Yeah, okay. So it's, it's a bit of a, like a morality issue, I guess, at the same at the it's same kind time. It's kind of – like the only reason that I think out, yeah. the only reason that's a real issue is because we have public property. Yeah. And so people come in and they're like, well, you know, if you come here and you, you don't pay taxes, you know, then, but you get to use public schools and then it's just a big mess. Right. Cause then we're like, well, we oppose 
we oppose taxes. Most of us oppose like, you know, at least 90% of the taxes, but a lot of people, hundred mm -hmm. percent. So it just kind of, it's a really messy argument. We haven't sorted out yet. Have you guys even started looking? Well, actually I'll ask you this first then. Like you, you know, I see you on, you're on social and I see like, you know, you, you have some like anti-woke, anti-identity, identity politics stuff, anti-Liz Cheney stuff. Did, do you kind of have to like toe the line? Like, Oh my gosh, this, she sounds like a conservative. Like, do you ever run into that stuff or oh, all because the you time. hate one person? I'm a, I'm an evil conservative. I'm a horrible progressive degenerate. It's just, <laughs> it's all over the place. I must be doing something right. If, you know, if everyone hates you, you must yeah. be a, a lightning rod of success. Yeah. Yes. Um, what, what have you kind of, what is the, all the lockdowns and everything and mandates kind of done for the party? Do you think like it's, it's helped its profile or oh, was man. it? Well, it would have helped our profile if we'd said anything at the national level, but okay. the national party didn't say anything for an entire year, an entire year, man. Wow. The county level parties and state parties were, most of them did an excellent job. Yes. And so we definitely got into the news in a lot of ways, but because it was because it was a mixed message. Yeah. It didn't advance. Really what happened is the Republicans did not oppose it consistently in the beginning, but they right. caught on after a few months to right. varying degrees. And so they got to lead the charge on that. And we, the members of the Libertarian Party, who were very opposed to lockdowns, we just got left out of the narrative. It was really frustrating. So you kind of, you injected yourself onto the, the long, the Los Angeles yes. mandate side. So that way you took the, the head of it. And I guess you would say that contributed to the city's mandate going away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we were very vocal and outspoken about lockdowns. Initially, we, we helped right. organize protests. We also helped organize black markets to keep, uh, people who cut hair and do nails and, and okay. things of that nature in business. So we had our own secret <laughs> black market group, just trying to like, as, as, as a uh, scandalous as it sounds, the reality is we're, we're trying to keep these people employed so they can pay their rent. Sure. Really, really wild. Right. But then when the mandates came around, we were really aggressive and outspoken on that and organized a petition to get those overturned. And then lo and behold, Lo and behold, after a, after a couple of months, I got a call, an anonymous tip from someone who worked at the at the city council office who said that they nice. were going to take it off the ballot because Good. there was too much pressure and they were afraid they were going to lose. So Whoa. they repealed it. Not wow. They did not repeal the city employee mandate, which is also still frustrating, but they repealed the, the, the biggest mandate. In. Yeah, because they were so afraid that they were it's the same thing, I think, in New York City. Like they still have the city mandate going yeah. on, but but in the city, in New York City, like if you're a performer, if you're like Kyrie Irving, you can. Um, so right. I guess everyone has to just get a YouTube channel going and like sing something, and then the city employees can get can get out of it. Right, right. I that I just thought that was just like so fascinating, and you know they they do they cave to pressure, but it's just it's it just. I know. So when you talk about like now, who were some chairs before you? Like who were a couple of the chairs? So I like the, the names ring a bell to me. Like who did you follow and who was before that as a national chair? So the 
the chair right before me was an interim chair. Her name was Whitney Bilyeu. Okay. And she runs the Texas Libertarian Party. Okay. She was chair for about a year. Okay. Um, because there was a big scandal with the previous chair. And his name was Joe Bishop Henchman. Okay, so, I know that name. Yeah. Yeah. So he ended up resigning because he was involved in something nefarious with the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. Oh, no. I know. It was, a, it was an embarrassing scandal. It was uh, very, very cringe. Very cringe. Yeah. And the guy before that was Nicholas Sarwark, and he was chair That's for- yeah, who I yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I've been in for like, I don't know. I, I've been a member for like probably the last 10 years, I would say. Yeah. That's right. So, so going back to like, you articulated that abortion point very well, like just let it, leave it up to the candidate. Like, what do you make of like when Andrew Yang tries to come out with the forward party and like, he goes right on CNN and he's like, we're not going to be pro choice or pro life or like how, like, do you see anything transpiring with that, with that, Really, they want to be the third party, but really, you know, they're like a fifth. They're like, yeah, they're not. They're not the you, third. Okay, what do you make of like that new kid on the block, or so, that new idea. I think that it's a good idea to not take a position on something like abortion because I think it's a distraction. Yeah, and it's so incredibly culturally divisive, and there are arguments in good faith on both sides, and we just, you know, like I feel personally pro-life. I'm pregnant right now i can't i can't literally prove on a piece of paper when like human consciousness begins or i I can't convince people of when life begins right so i get staying out of that when it makes sense but the forward party doesn't really have much of a stance on anything anything they're not pro individual liberty Mm-hmm. It's not it's not something they're interested in. They're very moderate centrist. They just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. They they don't oppose mandates, they don't oppose lockdowns, they don't they don't oppose war. So, you know, like I'm a libertarian definitely and I'm not a member of the Green Party. Yeah. But I'm happy to work with the Green Party <laughs> on different issues because I know exactly where they stand on it. Like they're very against the drug war. They're very against um U.S. intervention abroad and, and foreign wars for empires. So I know I can work with them on those things. And Andrew right. Yang, I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to, how does this work, man? Like, huh. I, f- I feel like he had a tweet one time. It's like, you know what we should do to be more organized? We should have like, people should have like stamps on their arm to know like yes. whether their medical status is, and then we could keep track of them. And that'd be like, we will not have to worry about it. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, he was very in favor of barcode digital IDs so everybody can check. Just like, I don't think so, dude. That's, that's, it's creepy technocracy. Yeah. It's creepy technocracy. And now are you planning to, you're moving out of California soon? Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not actually super excited about moving. Hard to find a U-Haul. Right. No, we have a U-Haul. They're very expensive. They're very expensive. Oh, yes. The reality is I, I live in a very nice place. Yep. I live right off the beach. No complaints. Oh, no way. But it's a, it's a one bedroom on the fourth floor in a very mm. nice complex with a lot of amenities. But it's a little suffocating when I think about having a baby here. Sure. And we're going to move to Austin, Texas, which is still a high cost of living by Austin standards. We're going to have a four bedroom house and it's going to cost less in rent. Yep. And, and then there's no income tax. 
So essentially we can move, not change our lifestyle, make several hundred more dollars every month, pay for the baby, you know, and, and not have financial stress. So that's really, that's really what it came down to. Do you have any libertarian themed baby names picked out or in being circulated? Like I would think of like, I was thinking of tread cause like don't tread on me, tread. but I don't know if that. <laughs> <laughs> I no. don't, we still haven't picked a middle name. So okay. there's that. Okay. okay. Could nice. happen. Nice. If I had my baby around, I'd show, I'd show you're a baby from the future. I have like a four and a half month old right now. So. Oh, very nice. Yeah. yeah Congratulations. So there, we, there we go. Um, I want to go back to the state politics. I mean, I guess when the recall happened last year, we had a libertarian candidate that was in the pool. Yeah. But I was surprised. Like, I didn't see one for this time around. Was that just lack of, did we not have coordination? Was it just no one kind of felt the itch or what did you make of that? I think that no one felt the itch. I think everyone is really burned out. On yeah. running. So right. we're going to have to do, and we're working on it right now, actually, putting okay. together a more aggressive recruitment strategy. Okay. But also training campaign managers. I, 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 is, that's one thing I didn't have. I needed that. Exactly. Exactly. So we need that. We're working on that. Um, we always, we always want to like, you know, do the biggest, best thing we can. And then right. the reality is we don't have the infrastructure set up to support a lot of that. Sure. So we're working on putting up that infrastructure, training people, making sure that they really understand, you know, like, how do you, how do you generate a walk list? How do you count your win totals? How do you identify who your target demographic is? What do you say once you identify them? How many times do you have to visit them? Right. That's the sort of stuff we're working on right now. So that, so the candidates in the future will be better equipped for the job. Yeah, I mean, if there wasn't, because there wasn't one, I would, I would be like, you know what, I'm very busy, but if you guys need someone with the L, I'll, I would have done it, but I'm like, oh, I'm like, still, I mean, who knows what would have happened? Yeah, um, well, next, nice, would be nice next to represent. time, we'll jump, say, yeah. jump in next time. We'll see. I'm, I'm 2022. It just didn't line up right for me, but maybe 2024 or something, yeah. something happens. So we'll see. Um, very good. What else I want to catch up with you on? Um. I guess what is, I could do a couple of things. Well, first, I guess as we start to look towards 2024, a few names, I mean, did you, do you have like a, like a general opinion of how you thought the 2020 um, ticket was like uh, Jorgensen with Spike? Was that, do you think that they, they ran well, they resonated well with, within the party and with others? So, um, yes and no. So Joe Jorgensen was a huge improvement in my opinion over Gary Johnson. She did not get nearly as many votes. It was a tough year to campaign in, right? Everything's locked down. People are being weird. You can't hold campaign events indoors in a lot of States, but she did her best. Uh, her campaign team had some major screw ups on social media, major screw ups. And that definitely sucked out a lot of enthusiasm and killed a lot of support from inside the party. The Mises caucus was really behind her initially. We were really happy because she was not a recycled um, Republican or someone from another party. Like she was an authentic libertarian. Sure. 
but it was not a perfect campaign by any means. And um, she and Spike weren't in alignment on everything. You know, Spike really leaned into the abolish the police, like defund the police stuff and tried to work with BLM more, but while maintaining like a principled anarcho-capitalist perspective on it, it -hmm. just didn't, it didn't gel well with what Jojo was trying to do. So it was just like a little bit of a weird year. Yeah, a few names that I've started to see float on social media, and I'm sure people start will start campaigning. I guess after November, I assume is when things pick up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard him all the time, Dave Smith. I don't know if it's he's interested. Yeah, but but um, he's obviously very well spoken, well thought out, and I think you know, I think with any new company, you need personalities, and you need to like command communication. And I feel like he could definitely, he could, you know, talk, be up for any interview and not be caught off guard. Like past yeah. candidates have been. Exactly. That's, that's a really good way to put it. He's a very good messenger. He's very articulate mm-hmm. and he's got a lot of experience dealing with media interviews. He's already got connections, you know, he's on yeah. Fox news regularly. He's been on Joe Rogan uh, right. a handful Regular. of times. I've heard more him than once. on Joe. Yeah. An- another name, Mage Torre. Is that how I say it? Maj. Maj Torre. Maj Torre. What, what is, if you were uh, promoting him in a, in a UFC fight, what would you say about him? Like what, what oh. stands out about him as a, as a potential candidate? So, so that's funny that if I was promoting him in an UFC fight. I mean, I'm I mean, just trying to say like, yeah, what's yeah. the elevator pitch for, for Maj? So he's like the best guy that we've got on the second amendment. Hands down. Okay. Hands down. Well, that's why right. is... black guns matter. Yeah. Excellent. The other thing he's really good at that he doesn't get a lot of um, publicity for is conflict resolution training. So he goes into the hood, the inner city and teaches people gun safety because the guns are already there. Right. Everybody's already strapped. There's gang violence. He goes in and teaches people how to be safe. And then he teaches them how to deal with, with conflict and actually deescalate which is wow. incredible and honestly like something we definitely need in the political realm right now. That'd be, that'd be, sounds amazing. Cause I feel like if you dare like try to do something better, like then say like a liberal faction wants you to do it, they're almost offended by it. Yeah. Like I feel like there was a protest at city hall this week and it was like libertarians and leftists protesting city vaccine mandate. And like, yeah, you know, it's that's a pretty leftist sounding uh, looking photo. And I'm surprised that they're not just like swooping in on that and like blowing it up. But you know, it's like, no, we didn't come up with it. So it's almost like you want to just like a finder's fee sometimes with Mm -hmm. some of these issues. Okay. Um, Overall, I get this is kind of outside the realm, but what have you thought of either like, Trumpers, Trump himself, is he just part of like the same two party system that's been around forever? Like he's obviously some someone different. Yeah. And that obviously they almost you you kind of get curious because wow, they they really don't want him like genuinely viscerally right. to be right. near anything of leadership. Is I think that it, founded, unfounded? What do you I mean, I think it's just sort of kind of unfortunate he went in with this very, you know, aggressive drain the swamp mentality at least that's what he put out there and it seems right. like he got swallowed by the swamp 
Yeah. And made some bad personnel decisions, put people like John Bolton around himself. It's just, right. you know, and, and now it's like, they're just out for blood. It, it seems like they won't be happy till the, till the poor man is dead. I just, <laughs> you know, crazy. he was as a libertarian, I was really disappointed after about yeah. three months in, you know, like there's not every, not everything I agree with, you know, like the border wall hysteria, like, you know, right. chill out. I know we, we got immigration issues, but, uh, but man, like, you know, once he did drone strikes on Syria and, and then he, he said he was going to audit the fed in the first hundred days. That didn't happen. Oh, wow. That didn't happen. And then the, the lockdowns happened and, I don't expect the president to come out like a tyrant and literally tell the states what they can and can't do, but we didn't even try to negotiate or yeah. try to manipulate federal aid and then operation warp speed with the vaccines. And he's still harping on how he thinks that's a good idea. There's just so many things where I was like, Oh man, I feel what, like what are if, you doing? if Democrats just called it the Trump vaccine the whole time, yes, things would have been greatly different. Yes. But instead, brought to you by the Fies. Right. And so. then he didn't even fire Fauci. I'm like, come on. <laughs> what you? Yeah, come you know, Burke and Burks is like admitting on, on the news, like, I just goes a hard being hopeful that, you know, <sighs> well, we've learned a lot. Um, yeah. Cool. This is, this is a really good catch up. I'm trying to, I mean, I could probably talk with you about other stuff forever, but, but you know, you take care of your baby and, uh, and let's uh, and let's uh, just uh, keep the party growing, and uh, and see where it goes from here. I look forward to it. I think if there's the every, these talking points are we're like the OG of of a lot of talking points that come out. I guess last thing, uh, a little bit of a game. If you had to abolish uh, the Fed, the IRS, or the FBI, what order would you would you get rid of them? Ooh, the Fed, the Federal Reserve, the IRS, or the FBI. What order would I get rid of them? Like what? What do you think is the most urgent? Like what would be the easiest, or the what would be the most helpful to maybe help Americans if that was gone first, or what would be the easiest? Man, that's really difficult. My knee-jerk reaction is the Federal Reserve, but I think I think right now I would I would pivot and say IRS, IRS first. I know because people are complaining about the eighty-seven thousand new agents in the bill. Yeah, I just wonder how long that's going to pay them for. Is that just like a is that going to pay for one year or is that? I don't know. Those things never go away. There's no such thing no. as a temporary government program. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, on that high note, uh, Angela Bacardo, pleasure as always. I will, I will try to do my part in the coming years and uh, we'll see where this goes and uh, enjoy Texas when you get there. And uh, I'll, I'll keep voting for you for national chair, even though I didn't awesome. vote. I didn't know how to vote the first time, but I would vote in theory. Well, thank you so much. All right. I want to thank Elizabeth Donaldson and Angela McCardle one more time for coming on this special return double episode of Socially Awkward. Again, all the episodes at awkwardwithevan.com. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can go. Um, and uh, support patreon.com slash funny Evan. And uh, there are reward tiers for you there. And uh, stay awkward, because you know I will. Thanks for listening. Go to awkwardwithevan.com to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast.
now for Evan's mom to pick out his clothes for tomorrow. See you next time on Socially Awkward with Evan Wexel. 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 Wexel.